Welcome to Staff London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. I'm with Steve Walsh. Hello. And we're currently in the Surrey Docks pub, which is Weatherspoons. Pretty rough. Employees just shouting at each other for not having eggs made and for uh, putting heating on without permission. We don't know if that was an employee. All we know is that Hassan got shouting at because the eggs weren't ready. I mean, this could well be... Could be our Hassan. Could be our Hassan. We've come from Cockold's Point in Rotherive and we're taking the traditional route to the Horn Fair in Charlton. At the moment, we're just waiting for our breakfasts. Weirdly, someone's just joining us <laughs> at our table, despite the fact the pub is almost empty. I went for a kid's breakfast. Which on the menu, it does say it's for under 10s, but... I think that's uh, advice for who it would be suitable for generally, rather than a, a very strict uh, rule that they have. I was at Legoland this week, and they have, obviously, uh, height... Uh, Restrictions? Yeah. Uh, but they have like, these poles. They have these poles uh, with bars on to indicate how so we have to be to go on certain rides. There's no bar that I have to pass under to get a breakfast, is there? This is what you're confusing. It's not a health and safety issue. Sometimes uh, you eat the bar. Sometimes the bar <laughs> eats you. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of fairs this time of year in South London. The Horn Fair dates back hundreds of years. Obviously in its current uh, incarnation, it's your standard kind of uh, village fair, isn't it? Or city village fair. I'd be very surprised if it isn't a tombola. Traditional children's races, apparently. Apparently banned in 1872 for licentious behaviour, and when it was revived in 1973, it was said to be a pale limitation of its uh, former self state but we'll see we've started at Cuckold's Point in Rotherhive so we're going to be wandering through Rotherhive across Greenwich and into Charlton the origin of the Horn Fair is disputed would that be fair to say? Yeah. There's a sort of folklorish element to part of the story. Um, there's a really uh, obvious origin for the name, and then there's a, a, a nice way that sort of almost conflates the two. The original idea was that King John, while hunting in Blackheath, Shooters Hill, Charlton, finds uh, a house, and inside there is a maiden that he seduces. Um, but she's married and her husband who's a miller comes home it's these details that makes it he's a miller um, comes home and the king uh, to apologise and make amends for being caught seducing the miller's wife takes him outside and offers him the land as far as the eye can see which leads up to what is known as Cuckold's Point in Rotherhive which is sort of on the, the, the cusp of the river isn't it yeah, it's uh, now where the Hilton Dock is. They don't know what they've got. They've made no. Uh, no, to... most of it is uh, public ground, isn't it? You kind yeah. of run around the hotel, but that tiny little bit, which is presumably Cuckold's Point, I don't know if you recognised it from a morning with a view of Cuckold's Point by Samuel Scott, Steve. I didn't. You didn't? didn't? No. Very different landscape there now. I mean, you know, at that point it was Stocklands, and now it's uh, an array of some of the worst architecture in the world. 
yeah, in the world. Yeah, pretty dreadful. So King John gifts the land to the miller up to this point, which we're going to cuckold's point, a cuckold being a medieval term for a man whose wife has cheated on him. The symbol of the cuckold is horns or antlers. So the idea was that when the fair started on the land in Charlton that was gifted to this man, it became known as the Horn Fair. King John also gave him the right to sell horns uh, and other artefacts at a fair. Realistically, the parish church for Charlton is St Luke the Evangelist. And I'm going to give you a chance to make up for your recent Simon of Cyrene, Joseph Aaron <laughs> fair mix up with a little little mini uh, theological pop, uh, pop quiz. Oh yeah, Christ, Christian pop quiz right in your backyards, right? Yeah. Um, what is the symbol of St Luke the Evangelist? Uh, well, he was a physician. Um, okay. You're, you're cold with that. Yeah. Is it? I mean, I presume it's going to be horns or something, but this is not. This wasn't. It's not. This is not biblical. You. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know about symbols. Okay. Um, his symbol is a winged ox. Right. Um, yeah, that's post uh, post Bible, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, but in portraits of uh, the apostles, he'll usually have a winged ox flying above him, or sometimes the winged yeah. ox um, takes his place in in the portrait. So it's more realistic that the fair originated from the parish church. And became known as the Horn Fair because of the ox being the symbol of the parish saint. The fact that King John is the monarch blamed for the infidelity in the folklorish tale of the origin of the Horn Fair is probably no accident. It was King John who had conflicted with barons and the common people over the rights of a king and the responsibilities of a king. Magna Carta, holy grail. <laughs> and gave us the Magna Carta, which was... Uh, Probably key. Jay-Z's uh, weakest album. <laughs> so in 1215, King John signs the Magna Carta, which limits his powers and gives rights to the common people. But... Probably more tellingly, later on, his son, King Henry III, signs the Magna Charta de Foresta, which is a specific document allowing people free use of common land that was formerly roll lands. And obviously, in the area that we're talking about, Charlton, Greenwich, Blackheath, a lot of it was roll land, a lot of it was roll hunting grounds that was then handed over to become parkland and common ground. So Ian Mansfield, uh, a local historian, believes that the, the, the historical fact of King Henry III giving the, ground, the land in the area to common people has been conflated with this idea of his father being called inflagrante and having to give up the land to common people. The fair is an increasingly raucous affair across its history, isn't it? Yeah, Daniel Defoe in the 1720s uh, refers to uh, yearly collected rabble of mad people. <laughs> A mob that took all kinds of liberties. Eventually the fair is banned, but over the last few years it's come back. There was an occasion a couple of years ago when some people attempted to do it, we're doing today, but on a larger scale and much more raucous. They walked from Cuckold's Point to the Horn Fair. Yeah, in 2009, or, and or 10, they had the Rediscovered Urban Rituals, mm. I think they're called. They got lottery funding, they got five grand of lottery funding to walk from to walk five miles 
where do we collect our check? Yeah. I think they were wearing horns and stuff and yeah. uh, cross-dressing as is traditional, but Steve's in his usual uh, short sleeve shirt and uh, brown loafers combo. But as you say, it's Sunday best every day, but today is Sunday, so it's all worked out. Online there are reports on the route that was taken, people wrote about it. In the comment section of one, they, they talked about visiting, going past Surrey Docks Farm, and there's a comment underneath where the woman who runs Surrey Docks Farms asked that they give a notice in the future because all they did was scare the animals. Oh no, <laughs> banging drums and stuff. Yeah, just banging uh... drums and singing and shouting. And obviously, those goats aren't ready for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a quiet residential area apart from uh, a farm. We talked about Surrey Docks and the farm yeah, in episode 11. Yeah, yeah, go back and listen. Some genuine footage of animals making noises. And humans. Hmm. I've been hoping to do a walk-in episode for a while, I think. And then I picked up Ian Sinclair's London Orbital from the library, a book about walking round the M25, so the outskirt of London, the motorway that circles London. Although it's at first I thought, oh, maybe, uh, once I started reading, I thought, oh, maybe we could just walk the semicircle, the south oh, semicircle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then when I actually looked up um, the M25, because I don't drive a car, so I have no idea about these things, it's well out of London. Yeah, I mean, in the book, Ian Sinclair talks about strategic parking. Like he's When he's doing the walk, he's doing it in sections, and he's driving to certain places and arranging for someone to drive his car to the end of the point or meeting someone to be driven back to where he's left his car so it's a sort of project that you have to have transport to do and not yeah. public transport no buses are going to the M25 no it's not yeah so it's not doable really um, he wasn't just walking around the side of a motorway which I initially thought I mean he does little walks kind of within the kind of hum of the motorway yeah he but, traces the path of the M25 but they're all it's all like he's walking through Surrey and the, I haven't got there yet but it'll be Kent wouldn't it yeah rather yeah. than like the M25 don't go through like Croydon no by, by its very nature it's outside of London isn't it but in the book he mentions this uh, trip uh, this route from Cuckold's Point in Rotherhive to the Horn Fair in Charlton and you know this raucous fair well, it's just uh, the language, I think, is so intriguing, isn't it? When you said to me, uh, should we talk about Cuckold's Point and Horn Fair? I was like, I don't know what that means. And you Google it, and you're like, oh, it's so rich, isn't it? Mm. You know, as I say, just the very idea of Cuckold's Point and Horn Fair is so sort of vivid and, you know, gives you such sort of ideas of the place. Um, and then reading about it, you know, the the lurid folklore of the origin of the name Cuckold's Point, the raucous nature of the Horn Fair traditionally... All you read about is just these very, uh, these remarkable ideas. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago camp welfare. It seems like these fairs they had in South London sort of uh, <laughs> a few hundred years ago were just like pretty lively. Yeah. They were very, it was similar to uh, organised riots, you're just getting all these people in. You're basically getting people out on a hot day getting them to drink more than they normally would and embrace uh, pagan rituals <laughs> London Orbit was great I highly recommend it you're a big fan of Ian Sinclair Steve? yeah Ian Sinclair's uh, fantastic we talked on a recent episode about a talk we went to see at the Carnegie Library where 
the speaker was very dismissive of Ian Sinclair's output and uh, I was basically just holding on to my chair so I'm not going to throw it at someone cause, uh, or just, at, at a window yeah a window and just leave a crack forever because <laughs> it was just outrageous the guy was talking as if Ian Sinclair not only as if Ian Sinclair's work was in some way flawed which you know you can have legitimate concerns about aspects of it but it was as if he was like useless and pointless and uh, he's definitely not he's, there's definitely uh, value to his work and obviously a couple of weeks ago we went along to see Ian Sinclair talk with Chris Pettit and Alan Moore and watch a couple of films and uh, he's as engaging in the flesh I think yeah you know, almost, almost holds his own with Alan Moore yeah I mean they, they just again they're phrasing of things uh, there's a bit where he's talking about one of the films and he's talking about the people who are in the films or in the film that, that they made Ian Sinclair said of the cast of that film six are dead two are incarcerated two inherited personal fortunes and one of them is Alan Moore and it's such a beautifully yeah a beautifully phrased little uh, yeah. moment very nice very nice yeah he's, Ian Sinclair did he turn 70 next year is it I think it is leading into his birthday yeah, year yeah there's uh, a series of films a season I suppose over the course of two years called 70 times 70 and Ian Sinclair has picked 70 films showing all around London I think isn't yeah, it yeah um, he's, he's from Hackney he's certainly spent most yeah, of his no, life there yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a bit of an East London thing but worth mentioning I think Steve yeah I think there'll be a couple of things in South London yeah so we went to the first one which is a film called uh, The Cardinal and the Corpse yeah documentary which you just mentioned and the other and followed by followed by The Sorcerers which is a late 60s film starring Boris Karloff directed by Michael Reeves who also did Witchfinder General Boris Karloff from where's he from Forest Hill I think isn't it yeah, yeah so yeah. South London Zone so there will be South London links throughout yeah and one of the films is showing is it the BFI yep but worth looking up because there'll be yeah. some great stuff there if you're in if you like this show I'm sure there'll be stuff there that you like. <laughs> we went through Rotherhive, um, took us into Deptford. Yeah, it was a walk that we'd done before, wasn't it? Yeah, we, when we recorded our Deptford episode, which is episode 34, we'd followed uh, part of that route to get back to New Cross, where you were living at the time. So we travelled through uh, Deptford and then into Greenwich. Yeah, uh, in Deptford, we went to we watched the first half. Was it of the Tottenham game? That's in right. The pub yeah, in yeah. Uh, Deptford, and it was quite a rough pub, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it called the Black Horse? The Black Horse, yeah. And when we went past, we were approaching it. I was like, "Was oh, that the same pub?" It looked like it had been cleaned up. Like the sign was uh, those kind of like brick tiles, or whatever they're called on the, the outside. The frontage was looked a bit cleaner, cleaned didn't up. It? Yeah. yeah. And then we noticed a sign that said "Under No Management." Then we noticed another sign that said uh, "Gentlemen's Night, uh, Free." Exotic dancers and a comedian. Yeah, fifteen quid. So get involved. We're not recommending it. Tell them South London hardcore. Yeah, you? but yeah, it's a bit of a familiar walk when it up uh, over Deptford Creek. Well, just um, you know, visually, we talked about it in the Deptford episode and sorry, Doctor episode. The trademark windows of that area, these terrible eighties plastic windows, and it is almost instantaneous as you leave Deptford and come into Greenwich. The place looks almost instantly different, doesn't it? You come up out of Creek Road and into Greenwich and immediately you're hit by vintage shops. Yeah. And yeah, with, uh... tourist trap fish and chip shops and places selling mini bottles of champagne with Union flags on the front. Yeah, it's an odd one, Greenwich. As we said, it was way back in episode uh, six, was episode it? Episode six, Greenwich, yeah. Greenwich, yeah. It is quite bizarre to have this 
this tourist area. Yeah. In the middle of South London, not in the middle, I mean, it's on the river, but you know, it's out from South Bank is one thing. Yeah. But you get out there and you start seeing like Japanese tourists taking photos and like Americans walking around and stuff. Yeah. We went up past Daniel Day Lewis's house where we put a plaque. Not there anymore, only uh, Cecil Day Lewis is commemorated <laughs> officially. They took down the wrong plaque. So we came out of Deptford and into Greenwich, headed down into the park which undulates a lot. That was when the walk started to tell uh, on my legs. I sort of felt like we'd be walking. And it's not, you know, an epic walk by any stretch of your imagination. But, uh, but yeah, there was some uh, gradient there. Yeah, we decided not to go past the observatory because that would have been uh, a bit too much. Really. We're not looking that for... That is a- so steep. Now. We're working on distance rather than altitude, weren't we? It wasn't a case of us needing to get to the high ground. Coming out of the park, we come out to Blackheath. And again, it's a distinct landscape, isn't it? Very flat all around, with these beautiful houses sort of dotted around uh, the periphery. Yeah, um, with Blackheath, it's it's a bit of a wonder, really. Um, obviously, you're not central anymore. Yeah. Um, but even still, it's it's quite surprising they've never never been tempted to just put to put anything on it. Yeah. It's just grass. Like there's no like. Kind of, there's no fencing to keep people away because it's busy roads. No, there's no them put any park park well, stuff that's on the there. As well. like, you, it sounds odd to say you come out to a, from a park onto a common, and there's a transition. But there definitely is, mm. isn't there? Like with the park, it is trees dotted everywhere, and as I say, a lot of undulation. So the 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 landscape is sort of transformed around you. Then you come out onto this very flat ground, so you suddenly. Your, your line of sight extends massively. Yeah. Um, and just no no trees, no shrubbery, just grassland. Yeah, and just cars in the distance. Yeah, I do like it a lot, Blackheath, yeah, that it's bit. Nice. It's, uh, and I, say it's, I it's could see nice... myself walking up and down it if I had a dog and lived around there. But, but it's, it is neither a nice of those thing things will ever happen. Walking through Rotherhive, where it is a residential area and obviously built upon and developed, then into the park, which is natural and wild but still landscaped and sculpted by man in some way onto just flat natural grounds it's a it's a nice sort of contrast and transition as you're walking along and then we went along Stewart's Hill Road heading in towards Charton itself which uh, brought us as close as we've ever been I think for the show's purposes to our topic of episode 62 which was Unearthing a project by Alan Moore and Mitch Jenkins about Steve Moore who's lived and grown up around there and a lot of talk there of Oxley's Woods and other uh, local landmarks. Yeah, if we'd have had longer, I mean, you know, theoretically we had as long as we wanted, but we were trying to get here to meet, uh, we were trying to get to Charlton House to meet my sister and uh, her husband and son. Would have been nice to kind of take some detours, wouldn't it? Certainly yeah, we'll absolutely. have to get back and cover that at some point. Yeah. I'm curious about these Blackheath Caves. Do you know about them? No, I don't. You know, is it Jack Cade? You heard of him? Yeah. Cade's Cave? Uh, Highwayman. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, one of the caves in Blackheath has apparently got a horned beast, uh, like, a, I don't know, like chiselled into the cave front. Right. But I'm not really sure it's accessible. I mean, it's definitely the case. There's like a exists, government but... documents about yeah, it, apparently. Yeah. But if we'd have been able to find it, I'm not sure. Because a lot of this stuff is underground now, I believe. Yeah. No, I... But it would have tied in nicely with the whole Horn Fair thing. Absolutely. I know of Jack Hayden. Obviously, traditionally, uh, the area was notorious for highwaymen and... Uh... Mm. Well, it comes up in unearthing, doesn't it? It does, yeah. 
and then we came into Charlton itself. Not an area that we've covered for the show. Well, yes. I mean, episode one, Steve, we talked yeah. about Jim Davidson's career. We did. <laughs> Charlton's favourite son. Di- we didn't give Charlton uh, a favourable show in there just because our only reference it was as a place that spawned Davidson. So uh, it's nice to come here today. Similarly, where we've uh, you know gone on the record before about Elton being terrible, then gone to Elton and gone, Elton's quite nice. Mm. It's the reality. Is it's once you see what things are actually like. And like today, we've come to Charlton uh, and it's a nice place, isn't it? Yeah, we just before we uh, sort of swang left into Indus Road, we came across the Big Plate Cafe, which it must is. be an Alan Partridge reference. <laughs> uh, put a picture up on our Instagram, which is at SLHC. Our Twitter is at SLHC. SaffronHarkle.com also for the links. So that was a little a little thrill, wasn't it? Alpha Papa. <laughs> We're walking through a residential street, past Nigeria Street. And one of the kind of domes on the top of one of the kind of towers at uh, Charlton House was visible through yeah. the trees. But then you turn the corner and it's beautiful. Do you want to describe it, Steve? Because I'll say the wrong era. I don't know about the era, but it is, it's beautifully preserved, isn't it? It's, it's it is. such good nick. And uh, really well maintained as well. Just like, you know... Well, it's £33.50 an hour if you want to hire a room out. So Bargain. They're self-sustained, I imagine. Yeah, they're, they're, they're paying the cleaning bills. And it did look like there, all there was was bunting, didn't it? For a minute, like... Because it was very badly publicised, this, in terms of on the internet. Yeah. The borough, rural borough of Greenwich, as is now known, uh, they've replaced lots of street signs. Not so much in Charlton, but uh, more <laughs> so in the kind of Greenwich area. Um, they didn't do much online to publicise it, but there's plenty of people here. I suppose you're only pulling in the locals, really, aren't you? And once you are here, I mean, you've got the house itself, which looks great. But then the bunting was nice. For me, the bunting was, it's like when you go into someone's house for a, a birthday party. You've never been to the house before. It's a kid's birthday party, and there's just balloons outside. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, where are we? Oh, here we're we are. We're at the right house. We're at the right house. Yeah, she is six. She is six. <laughs> so all the numbers on the balloons make sense. So the bunting, and then sort of going, but then you're sort of like, is it just very low-key? But then you go around the side, and it opens up yeah. onto the grounds behind. And um, a really great layout, I think. Yeah, someone immediately handed us a uh, festival leaflet. Also, uh, I thought it was interesting, as we were going in, uh, a woman was coming in with her kids, um, and the, the guy who handed us the leaflet was wearing a green T-shirt that says Horn Fair. Um, you know, white layer on a green T-shirt, very plain, obviously part of uh, the setup. Hands us leaflets. And the woman makes point saying to her kids, if, if you get lost or anything, find someone wearing one of these T-shirts. So it's got an organisation to it that you don't normally find at fairs like this. A lot of it is no. just sort of like, come in, and it's, you know, the traditional uh, just sort of crowd of people milling around. But here, there's a bit more... Yeah, I went to one similar thing in Paddington, and the music was far too loud. Um, you know, it was not a bad setup. Like, similar kind of stalls, you know, toys and... Um, second-hand books and you know there's a lot of more professional stuff these days with these sort of things people selling like yeah crafts know, and yeah exactly yeah, jars yeah. of honey it's like an optician was the first store we came that was, that was I was a bit troubled by that I sort of came in and you look left and you're like there are the traditional optician stall at any some of it but then the rest of the stalls are you know it's a mix of second-hand book stalls cake stalls mm. um, a few you local chicken? Which yeah, is good. Yeah. Look, I mean, I didn't have any because no. uh, I had. We had, had that breakfast, great, though, didn't it? and we drank loads of apple juice on the way. <laughs> um, but it did look like it was like some high quality food as and, well you know, as some sloppy ice burgers. cream van burger. These are all the things you want from uh, a fellow. And then you know, as I say, local 
organisation as well. The library's here with a van. You've got the local Labour Party. You've got a stall set up with cake and information. Um, and then just little things like your nephew Jackson had to go on hook a duck. Did he? And hooked a duck. Oh, brilliant. Daddy helped, but you know, <laughs> Jackson was certainly part of it. Um, won himself a samurai sword. Yeah, oh, that's why he's running around hack, trying to hack that tree to yeah, pieces. Yeah, that's why, uh, you know... Did he make a dent? He didn't make a dent. It was... Uh, oh, well, he did, he, to be fair, he did make a dent, because his, his sword was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we got here, they were on the mini Ferris wheel. And, yeah. Uh, Darren, his dad, did look like he'd been around a few times too I many. Said, I said to him when he got off, I went, was it like the fifth time round? He went fourth, fourth time round, <laughs> I had enough for where to get off. We turned up just in time for... The dog that looks most like his owner competition. Yeah, like quite literally, we walked in and said, "Oh, this one looks most like it's." Oh, he's got glasses like you. <laughs> we missed the waggiest tail. Good. The good thing is the dogs were penned off. There were a load of dogs walking around with rosettes afterwards. So if it, I don't know if it was a case of everyone's a winner. <laughs> but all on leads, though, Steve. So there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a day out. So people have brought their dogs along, but uh, the dogs all seem very well behaved, don't they? Police here to uh, let kids mess about in police cars. Yeah, there's a guy doing um, covers. Uh, quite good, actually. Dawson, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, we were a bit dubious because uh, we were at the Natural History Museum on Friday night for the Avery Hill publishing launch of the Megatherium Club by Owen D. Pomery. A <laughs> lot of information in that one. <laughs> um, and they do this Friday night late thing. And it's a great, you know, I'm a huge fan of museums and galleries. I'm a huge fan of late night things at museums and galleries. Don't have musicians on, because these places are not no. designed. They don't have the, the acoustics. acoustics. Are terrible. Uh, he no, he's he's very good. Every well, now and then interrupted by the uh, the uh, police siren. I, I would say he's the ideal person to yeah. play at a summer fair. They, they, you know, that is an endorsement of. We know nothing of Dawson. We don't. We've never met this guy before. We can't even give you information. I don't know how you Google him. Because I'm pretty sure if you put in Dawson's song, you'll just get all the songs that are on Dawson's Creek in it. He's, he's made a mistake by going the one-name route, I think. Your friend Paul showed up, Steve. Shout yep. out to Paul. Paul Thomas. Uh, this should be Sergeant Paul Thomas, don't they? I think he's Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Captain. I don't know. Captain Paul Thomas. Let's go with uh, just Paul Thomas. Yeah, my old uh, pal from school and a former workplace. Yeah, watched a little bit of cricket, didn't we, at the uh, cricket hub? We did, uh... They were Jack. hitting the ball every time. Yeah, Steve. that was that was uh, Jack's Jack's coming. They hit the ball every single time, and then you followed up with uh, "Might be a bad bowling." This program I've got here, Steve, right for the Horn Fair, the official program. Yeah, very good front cover. Yeah, really nice that, bit that, of design. That struck both of us. Uh, the Royal uh, Borough of Greenwich logo with the what is that a Tudor rose? Tisha is ten times better than almost every other borough logo. Just simple, simple font. Southern Council. Notoriously never bad, yeah. Never will, probably. Cut out people holding hands. Oh. Now they've changed it to some kind of handwritten, terrible. But, like, welcome to the Horn Fair. Then they give you basically what we've said, but briefer. You know, as in, like, <laughs> it was a uh, rowdy yeah, yeah. Uh, middle, age, middle Ages festival. But then uh, it's thought that the name Horn Fair arose from the selling of horn articles at the fair. Horn is a natural plastic which was moulded into a wide variety of useful objects. Like horn, also very popular, right up to the 18th century, being beaten into translucent sheets to be fabricated into lantern leaves and even windows. It's not what I think of when I think of horn, is it? Horn is what? What is horn? Some kind of <laughs> substance that people... <laughs> some kind of raw material. It was a made-up uh, drug on Brasso. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm in the horn business. Like, I mine horn. 
Like, what are they talking about? I mean, of all the potential uh, origins of the name of the Horn Fair, you know, it's possible. It's more likely than King John being caught getting his end away. Uh, as likely as St. Luke the Evangelist having locks as a symbol. Uh, thanks to the Animal Samaritans for organising the dog show. IIEL for providing event stewards to inquire about Japanese courses. <laughs> Please call 020-8331-3100. I'm not an event steward <laughs> by trade or a language uh, teacher. However, I don't see what correspondence there is between those two skill sets. Yeah, very odd. Maybe they were like, we'll do stewarding if you advertise our courses. Very strange. I, I, I think it's more likely that a language centre has approached the fair and gone drawn some free stewards rather than the organisers of the fair and gone we need stewards call the Japanese language centre <laughs> we won't be back next year Steve will we no I, I think you know other summer fairs are available and they'll be closer to home uh, we'll go to the uh, King's College 101st anniversary party <laughs> I think that's that's the one to wait for isn't it? before we did the walk I had sort of traced a likely path from Rotherhive through Greenwich into Charlton. And I was sort of, it sort of occurred to me that with the path, you're walking from a resolutely working class area, historically, with the docks in uh, Rotherhive, through and then across Royal Land with Greenwich Park. It was, you know, traditionally Royal Hunting Land. And then back into. Uh, again, traditionally working class land in Charlton. Not here, not at Charlton House. Clearly, <laughs> this only could belong to. And it a was very traditionally at this at Charlton House. I believe, so, yeah. I yeah. think it moved elsewhere. I mean, there's a park around there called Horn Fair Park. Yeah, yeah. But with the nature of the fair itself and the raucous procession that happened historically, and even as we know quite recently, it does. You do get the idea that there's almost a feeling of the walk from Cuckold's Point to the Horn Fair as an act of transgression an idea of the working classes reasserting the rights that Magna Carta gave to sort of go we're going to assemble at this point we're going to walk across this point we're going to trample across your park hmm. making a load of noise hmm. uh, we're going to be you know walking down we're going to scare Hill. the animals at Surrey Dogs Farm <laughs> but it is it was almost like this this uh, warning from the working classes, this sort of like beating of drums and like uh, dressing up colourfully and, and drawing attention to themselves, going, "This is this is us. We are here. We can walk from this point to this point." Historically, we couldn't. We wouldn't be allowed. This would be protected land and royal land, and we want that. Sort of, this is common land now. We're, we're going to walk across it. And we're going to do a podcast on the way, <laughs> and then we're going to assemble at this point. And if you thought we were allowed before, it's going to get even more raucous now. And obviously, that isn't what the Horn Fair is today and what our procession was today but it is nice to sort of see see the path and as I say walking along Rotherhive now and obviously Surrey Docks in particular is a different place mm. it is uh, gentrified it is developed if, you know it, it, in a very particular sense of the word and it, it's not the same sort of thing but it, there is still that feeling of you're moving from a working class area across you know the, the landscape changes so dramatically you know as, as we say going into the parkland and then out onto the common but then particularly I think the transition from Deptford into Greenwich you turn a corner and instantly mm. it feels like there's more money around you yeah and it's quite fitting that it all says Royal Borough again absolutely yeah it? yeah. You, you go from 
a London borough, cross a rural borough back into a London borough to sort of, as I say, just... Uh, We're still in the rural borough, but... Oh, we are, we? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know... But it, it feels... The royal part of Greenwich is they don't mean... No. They don't mean Elton, do they? And, you or, know... No, well, they've got Elton Palace, they probably do mean Elton. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, they actually, mean the fancy bit with the Naval is, College. Yeah, this they? is the thing. The strip of land that is the park does feel like it's still... Royal Greenwich in mm. the sense that they mean and it is uh, where you know there's an the, Olympic element to it as well I think yeah absolutely there, there, there's also the fact that you know as we say uh, there's a fair going on today and a lot of tourists very nearby but no Americans or Japanese are coming down to the Horn Fair are they no true but we don't know about it because we're so badly publicised <laughs> we've talked about the royal nature of Greenwich in that episode and also we talked about Royals in South London generally in episode 24 and I think that's important in distinguishing the fact that there is there has been a royal presence in South London but it's always been very specific and discreet it's always been certain areas and in certain areas have just been completely ignored by uh, royals and nobles please keep it that way we also talked about fairs and rituals like the Horn Fair on our May Day episode which is episode 24 which might be of interest if uh into uh, a bit of folklore mm. before we finish Steve uh, a few little plugs this Friday which is the which date is that 2nd of August is the launch of uh, Wu Wei a new spiritual uh, comics anthology correct uh, to which you've contributed a couple of pieces haven't you I have uh, I've got a few pieces drawn by an artist called Francesca Dare um, and a story drawn by South London hardcore alumni, friends of the show, <laughs> artist in residence. Owen Pomery. Owen Pomery, yeah. Uh, that's a mere six pounds, isn't it? And it's a beautiful looking book. Uh, it's got a spine on it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, that's the launch at Gosh Comics. That's the launch. Uh, if you if you pre-order um, or turn up and get there early enough to buy one of the first hundred copies, you get a hand-drawn book plate drawn by one of the artists involved in the book or if you buy it from gosh comments at any time even after the first hundred steve will sign it for you as he sells it to you i'll sign it uh, i'm also that is optional though if you don't want him to yeah. sign it please do say it depends how much value you want taken off the book <laughs> it's up to you uh, i'm also learning to draw two different pictures so i can sketch i'm learning to draw one character and a japanese castle in the style of ond pomery well, well best of luck with that steve it seems unlikely that will be a success <laughs> You also write for your days and numbered, Steve. Uh, people can pick that up a gosh as well, can't they? They can. That's free. Are your reviews on the website as well? They're not. The website doesn't replicate the magazine. Just no, so. it's all about the paper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's free. Uh, it's really good. They do some cracking features as well. Yeah, it's a really nice uh, publication. Also available at the moment, I did a chapter for a book about last season at Dulwich Hamlet, which was put together by guy called Stephen Desmond who uh, works the Dulwich Hamlet Fourth Man scheme which is a brilliant scheme Fourth Man scheme fourth man. is that Peter and then you <laughs> Twelfth Man scheme I didn't even go Third Man I didn't even what's the Fourth Man um, the Twelfth Man scheme uh, a supporter led scheme to help the club raise a bit more money which is mostly just a bucket going around at half time it is yeah but people are getting much more crazy yeah, about I mean, things uh, to do aren't they like I'm not trying to talk about my dad's charity work <laughs> but no he says he just chucks a pound in the bucket or whatever when yeah, he comes yeah. in um, 
but someone put in a grand, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, and arguably, it, you know, it was the difference between Dulwich Hamlet getting promoted last season. This the, scheme. the money from the 12th man scheme helped to sign Danny Carr, who scored vital goals yeah. for Dulwich last year. And then I mean, considering that Dulwich went up by what was it, a point or two? Yeah, yeah. You know, really, it's, it's made a difference. Uh, and then, and obviously, since then, Danny Carr has gone to Huddersfield. Uh, for a significant amount of money, mm. which then goes back into the club. So, yeah, uh, Stephen's idea was to write a book with a chapter by individual uh, people associated with Dulwich um, to sort of get a, the fa- a fan's eye view of last season. So I wrote about um, a game we went to and recorded that, uh, which was the home game against Tooting, where Danny Carr scored a goal. That's also £6. Uh, you get that from the 12th Man Scheme blogspot website, can't you? Yeah. You I can, think you can also, if you go to Dulwich and yeah. ask around, you, they, I hope I would the 12th, have thought they'd the 12th, be selling... The 12th Man Scheme have season. a table, uh, oh, a yeah. stall set up. Uh, did, they did at the Huddersfield game last week. They're going to have one at the Millwall game this week. And I think as long as they've got copies of the books to sell, they'll be set up at the home games. Also got a spine. So these aren't just staple jobs. Okay. <laughs> And as we mentioned earlier, Megatherium Club by Owen Pomery is now available. Uh, probably best place to get it is from owenpomery.com or odpomery.com. I can never remember. <laughs> but you've read that, Steve. Yeah, it's great. Really, really good. And I've read Wu Wei, and I can say that's really good. Well worth getting. Right, saffronhardcore.com. For, uh, Steve will do a little, we could do a little roundup post, Steve, can't you, of everything that was plugged this week? Yeah. So go there for that and all your other stuff. Uh, many back episodes all on iTunes leave a comment on iTunes if you like subscribe if you're going to buy a book that hasn't been self-published by well-intentioned uh, individuals <laughs> uh, en masse uh, don't forget to use the Amazon link on our website so we get a bit of cash kit back to us have you seen Robert Molloy Vaughan's new banner Steve? no I don't think so long oh, banner just says Trans- 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 yeah, yeah I have seen it yeah, yeah. brilliant yeah